And we're recording. Everyone, welcome to another backyard session of Out to Adult. We have, I think, 10 people here today, all <laughs> socially distanced in a big old circle. And we will go through introductions here in just a second because we have got a doozy of a topic today. This is one of the topics that was requested by a fan. They reached out to us on Facebook and requested this specifically. And we are going to talk about heteronormativity and its effects on our lives, period. And we got a lot to talk about, and we already have had to stop ourselves talking several times today because we keep talking about the subject. But we want to make sure we're recording it for all of you because we all have different perspectives here. And so let's jump into our introductions, and we are going to go with name, age, gender, sexuality, pronouns, and when you came out. Alexandra, shall we start with you? Yes, you should, because by the end, I won't remember what the <laughs> yeah, list of no. terms That's why I wrote it down. <laughs> oh, I, I can't it. see that far. <laughs> okay, my name is Alexandra Orzik, and I am... Uh, what was the next thing? I Fuck. forgot. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I am 34. Gender? I'm, I am a female. Is that the gender? Sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> What's your orientation? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm already going to mess this up. Um, yeah. Orientation. I, I like to refer refer myself to myself as is gay. I, I just don't like the word lesbian. Okay. I, it, it feels uncomfortable that's to great. me. It's a little gay. hard on the tongue. It is. It is. <laughs> and I'm going to keep that in working order, so that's why I, I can't <laughs> say lesbian. Um, and I came out at uh, 21, I believe. I was a late bloomer, I think, you know, so... Came no from judging, Texas, no judging. moved that to Canada. That sounds like a little so. self-judgment there. Okay, no judgment. No judgment. And Michelle. Michelle is a brand new guest on the oh, show. Oh, wait, my pronouns, she, her. She, Great. her. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, sorry, forgot yeah. about that. Thank you. Nice. Um, so my name's Michelle. Um, I am from the Bay Area. I just moved to Sacramento in, let's just say, January, March, one of those. <laughs> right um, before the world ended. Pretty much. I um, My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I would say that I identify as pan, but mostly, I don't know. I really like um, uh, masculine-centered folks, so okay. that's different. Um, and what else? I am 35, and I don't know if there's anything else. There... Uh, when you came out? Oh, I came out when I was 18. But when I, I came out as like non-binary, mm -hmm. probably two years ago. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into out. all of the times you have to come out for all the different things right. these days. And do you, Tony, or do you have to? Or do you have to? I am Tony. Yeah. <laughs> My voice doesn't normally sound that. We sexy. all instantly <laughs> like men. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm Tony. I am 40 years old. I am a gay male. Uh, I came out when I was 21 as well, and uh, I actually didn't have gay sex until I was probably like 20. I still haven't had gay sex. Well, lucky you. Oh. <laughs> and I haven't had it in forever either. So, you know, if you're single, hey. Hey, we'll <laughs> link him on our Instagram. Okay. Check us out. Yep. Follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Or, I'm just kidding. I'm not on Twitter. Oh, okay. So don't follow, follow me, me on TikTok. Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And we have five other people in the audience here today listening. So you might hear some snaps and we just appreciate them hanging out with us. It's the gayest part of your day. Sit back and grab a shot We're just going to jump right into the heteronormative life that we lead, and we're going to let Alexandra, the straight passing woman, go first. <laughs> 
oh, I feel like my privilege is showing here, but it thank is, you. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wanted to, to, to start off with this is, is the idea of what straight passing means in the gay community. When I say gay community, I'm encompassing LGBTQ plus plus, um, and I'm just going to use the word gay in my uh, description of that. Term. That's my umbrella term. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out that it, it, because I was straight passing, I got a lot of flack for being a part of the gay community. It was, it was as if, because I didn't wear my sexuality outwardly on my, my skin or the look or the, the uh, understanding of what gay, quote-unquote, needs to look like, I a lot of people question, like, but are you really gay? Is this a phase? Mm-hmm. Um, or when I would, you know, I, I felt delayed and or I didn't want to hit on women because I I thought well they won't know that I'm hitting on them they'll just think I'm being really nice because I look I don't straight. know that lesbians ever know if you're hitting <laughs> on them okay that's I fair that's very fair so you know because of that in a lot of time in a lot of areas I felt kind of excluded um, as crazy as that sounds because I know from the hearing other people's perspectives you know they've felt excluded as well um, but I felt I didn't fit in the straight world. I didn't have that husband, uh, two kids, 2.4 kids, and a dog mm-hmm. um, idea or life. And also, I didn't um, have my hair cut very short and wear, you know, the stereotypical, you know, cargo pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that all, that all of it. Tara over here, for the record, is uh, got a um, army haircut and, and is wearing short. cargo, cargo shorts. Pants. Thank you, yes. Tara. You're and a dog. And has a dog right here with her. I now, wonder, um, real quick, yeah. so I wonder how common that is, actually. Because uh, before we started taping, I kind of brought up the concept of homonormativity. Yep. Being, w- well, what I was implying it to be was uh, fitting into the normal gayness of something, right? So, like, as a, uh, a gay woman, right, not a lesbian, you don't subscribe to that, but that's not normal for lesbians or gay women or Right. Mm. And so like that's kind of what I was implying before we started, because I mean, I've also experienced the same thing where I don't subscribe to the culture of gayness 100 percent and felt very uh, not a part of it. Like gay men can like sports type of situation. Right. Like like the the stereotypes that we find are or that we place on our own gay communities. But then what is also awesome is that we have the power to affect change because I don't know that Alexandra's story is really that unusual. I think there are quite a number of lesbians who feel this way. Right. Or just Um, queer people in general. Exactly. Queer people in general. Um, There's people that I work with and they're like, oh, so-and-so's gay. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) Like, blew my mind. And I'm in the community and I should know better, right? And so I even find myself, you know, succumbing to these ideas of heteronormativity. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) It's an annoying word. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, it's too long. Especially after but, two months. But then I, right. I, 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 in in subtle areas, and I and I know that Michelle, you'll probably you've probably faced this in in different ways, or all of us have faced it. But you know, I'll go and and jokingly at the doctor, it's like, well, are you pregnant? Yeah. Is there any chance you could become pregnant? Mm-hmm. And I, at one point, I literally wrote on the doctor's form, like, what's your birth control? And I wrote being gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lesbianism. And, and the doctor was like, wow, that's okay. And but is there still any chance you could you know be pregnant? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I know that I look straight and I have long blonde hair no don't take offense to that though because they've asked me that when i'm in like a full-blown baseball hat (laughs) and khakis like yeah they're like but are you sure my doctor last year asked like okay so 
I know you're a lesbian. And so just right there, I was like, I'm so ready for this question. No matter what's coming at me, I'm so excited. He's like, I know you're a lesbian, but do you ever have sex with penises? I'm like, no, but tell me why you want me to. <laughs> like, like, what are you well, getting Well, it depends. At right like, is it, is it an actual penis? No, dildo? we got into that, like, too, and okay. I just don't have the uh, bandwidth to go okay. through that entire. Okay, okay, okay. But also... Wait, who is this person? <laughs> yeah, what? Of <laughs> <laughs> the listeners out there. Let's also state that women don't necessarily have to have vaginas. There are plenty of women out there that do have penises. So Katie's doctor's question was actually enlightened and not backwards thinking he was like okay you're a lesbian but do you have still a female partner that has a penis and he asked it and i think a very respectful way oh 100 percent. and he definitely did not say do you have sex with men it was penises can and we so clarify what people need to have a baby or get pregnant it's a uterus right yeah well i mean it's not an unfair like thing or like maybe a petri dish soon to carry a child yeah you need a uterus yeah but you don't necessarily need a vagina yeah, correct. Right? Medical professional? Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we have a medical professional here in our We sure do. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are not responding. <laughs> and it is, just no, to clarify, it's not Yaz. It's not Yaz. There's another doctor here. We have multiple medical <laughs> professionals here. That's right. Multiple medical professionals. Wait, can I, multiple lawyers. Can I add something? I love that perspective. I, I love that conversation where... You know, I came from just my perspective Mm -hmm. and Ashley added a great perspective shift. And I think in order to have this conversation, we have to have the flexibility to understand that we might not see all sides Mm -hmm. of of a position. Um, Not that I have a position, but I I knew that as a possibility, but I didn't uh, place it into this context. Mm -hmm. And what a great uh, addition for me. So that I have yeah. another piece kind of in my bag to be like, okay, this is a way that I can be more sensitive in a way that I, I didn't, I, I was aware of, but I didn't see, so to yeah. speak. And I think you're good at doing that on a regular basis, too, for the record. Alexander's very good at that. Um, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to try and be more open to those other points, those other perspectives. That's half the reason we're doing this podcast. Michelle, yes. Y'all, trans people will save all of you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We will expand your world so yeah. that you get to do whatever the fuck it is that you want. Yes. I love it. I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, the Supreme Court didn't give us gay marriage. What gave us gay marriage is trans black people throwing bricks at cops. And I was like, y'all, this speaks to my soul. Speaks to my soul. But yeah, that's thank you, Michelle. So tell me, like, Michelle, tell me how... How does that narr- how does this narrative or, or how does heteronormativity um, impact you? Like how how is it? You know, I'm talking about from my perspective as being straight passing. Okay, and how how are you impacted? Um, I guess just to give a little bit, bit more background. Um, so I was in the domestic violence field for about four or five years. I did a lot of violence prevention work, um, and so we're always talking about like the narrative of romance and like gender roles. Um, and heteronormativity really just influences, like, somebody's value and worth. Okay. Right? Especially if you I- identify as a cis man or as a cis woman. Um, and that in itself will limit who you are and your potential as a person. And, like, so for me... Is it limits f- from your personal sp- perspective or, or other people's perspective is limiting your personal perspective? I just want to clarify. It's both. Okay. Both, yeah. yeah okay. Because you have internalized oppression... Mm-hmm. Right. And then you also have just like outward oppression that comes right. at you. Can you give us a couple examples? Um, 
Yeah. So like in the, in the, for me in the queer community, like, um, there's like this narrative that like trans folks, um, aren't accepted, right. By like general cis queer people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I feel like that's because of, I don't, I'm not even sure exactly why. Um, but essentially trans folks aren't valued. Um, maybe it's like threatening to somebody's gender or their worth as like cis man, cis woman. Um, and so they face a lot of violence, right? Um, and then so if you have like people responding to the way that you are authentically as a trans person um, with violence, like you have like slurs, you have just like just sim like simple dismissals of your voice and experience, mm -hmm. then a person will internalize that. And then their self-worth goes down, right? And then they just don't value themselves or it comes out as like um, their own transphobia. And you can see that in the queer community as well. Oh, yeah. And how, how did, you know, for, for somebody, I, I met you a few weeks, I mean, a few months ago, and we were talking, and I just happened to ask, for instance, what your pronouns were, but if I hadn't asked, I would have made the assumption that you are female, and you are just a more butch female, so to speak, just from my own, how do you navigate that, um, that in in this scenario because i i wouldn't have said oh my goodness M michelle's trans can, can um, i just point something out really quick that i find really interesting and it's not an attack on anybody uh it's funny that you say that because that's almost the same thing that you described you a thousand percent mm -hmm. a thousand yeah. percent i am and doing the exact yeah. same thing yeah. and and that's also why i want to talk about it is because yeah. I know that whenever we have issues with somebody else, it's because we have areas in ourself where we are kind of doing the same, mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. So no, I definitely do yeah. not feel, I, I am a hundred percent aware. So when I learn more about her, about their story, I'm so sorry, um, then that I can incorporate it into yeah. how I build present. It into exactly. How you yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So tell, tell me, tell me more. So essentially you have to assess whether or not it's safe. Okay. Um, so <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. How do you navigate when people misgender you? How do you then go into that conversation? Or even if Alexandra didn't ever have to say she, her, how do you bring that up? Because she's her assumption would have been that you're just a butch female. So what's it like for you to have to navigate that situation? It, it's all about safety. Um, so I also want to point out, like, there's, like, a racial aspect to this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that Alexandra's white, I identify as Vietnamese-American. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to assess safety on, like, several levels. Um, race, for me, is easier. Okay. Because then I can tell whether or not, like, this person is open to gender. So but then by, would that by be, race, like... Is that, no, just to clarify, just because I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, you assess it by the race or are there other... Like, is it because I'm white, would I be less open or more open? The fact that you're female or you, like, appear as female makes you open, but also the fact that you're open to talking about um, my own, like, racial identity and, like, talking about whiteness mm -hmm. makes you a lot more approachable. Mm. Got it. Okay. Yeah, like, the fact that you the understand and acknowledge that white people do have oh, a, an yeah. implicit... We have an advantage. Right. Yeah. So it's basically, yeah. like, a constant assessment for safety um, before you even articulate whether or not you should share your identity with somebody. Correct. Yeah, it's a lot of anxiety to live yeah. under. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and it's not even just physical safety, right? It's like mental and emotional safety as well. Yeah, psychological safety is a privilege. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I navigate. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, I think, I think so, so would you say that you 
this is also uh, not to jump on Tony or to, would you say that you judged, not judged, but assumed that I was a female based on just knowing that it was safe enough to share? Or did I do something that that confirmed that I am, uh, I identify as female? You were warm. I was warm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like the fact that you identify as female. That's like one factor, right? But okay. that you were open, you were warm and welcoming. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So wouldn't that be a heteronormative assessment, though? Why? Because, hey, now. <laughs> I asked the question. Um, no, because we have in our society that women are the nurturing, welcoming ones, and men are less so. So then if one of the descriptive factors about Alexandra being warm and welcoming, and so now coupled with the long hair and slender build, we can say, clearly, she's a cis female. Yeah. Right? That's... Is that clear? Oh. That was not clear to me. It's not clear. <laughs> okay, Great. but I but I operate under. We would have under to ask her to, uh, to to figure out if she's a cis. And I think right. that the heteronormative, oh, which is Jesus. also a very heteronormative like, thing mm-hmm. to assume because somebody looks like a feminine woman right. that they are a feminine woman, right? Or or vice versa, a masculine but, man. But to challenge, so I agree with you guys, yeah. and you know, in in Malcolm Gladwell's Blink and in other things, you know, in order to operate in this world, we have to make snap judgments, absolutely, in, or we would be in and overwhelmed. Our brains would not know how to function. So, mm. let's talk a little bit more about where is that line, though? Like, how do you make snap judgments in order to keep yourself safe, but also not be completely entrenched in those snap judgments? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's about making snap judgments and then being open to having those change immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cause uh, in today's right. world, there's a billion and one labels for a billion and one different types of people. Um, and those can all be different tomorrow. And how we process information period mm-hmm. is snap judgment. And, and our brain automatically categorizes things based on our past experience and what we know. And so now we have to take a second to, deliberately change our values, right? Like, we come in, we're like, green, yellow, that's brick, that's a that's an RV, right? Like, our brain just automatically... Yeah, it's human nature to things. judge. Right, and so as long as we're taking the time to try and understand what those implicit biases or those implicit sna- snap judgments are... Well, to a point, we I feel like that's true because, uh, you know, I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday mm-hmm. and it was about you know oh i don't judge or something like that and the reality is that everybody judges and that mm-hmm. doesn't even matter your judgment has doesn't matter at all you can decide whatever you want in your head but mm-hmm. what matters is how you act on those judgments mm-hmm. yeah and if you're not willing to alter that or if you're not informed enough to alter that mm-hmm. right so i can sit here and uh michelle right yes so i can look at michelle and assume the same thing butch female right and then not even question anything so unless i question it or unless somebody offers me new information Mm -hmm. that's the assumption i don't know that i've even made it it's automatic it's just in there yeah Yeah. and so unless there's something to challenge our assumptions or challenge our our vocalized judgments Mm -hmm. we won't be able to learn i think i think that's where mindfulness comes in yes i I, think you can slow down yeah mindfulness of Mm -hmm. you know when i was sitting i don't know what at the park that day asked you know motivated me to ask Mm -hmm. michelle what their pronouns were how they wanted to be referred to but I realized I had grounded myself enough that I was like I'm enjoying this where you know kind of a lot of times we spend so much time in our heads and we're always in the future and I'm a hundred a thousand percent guilty of this 
But when I slowed down enough, it was like, I really want to know Michelle as a person. And I, and I quickly scanned and said, okay, where am I making these, these, you know, where did I, do I not have clarified information? And, and a lot of, a skill set that I I think everybody should learn is a DBT skill set of like checking the facts. Mm -hmm. So it's checking, you know, is what you're telling yourself true? And is, and if, and what evidence do you have to support that? And if not, how can you get more evidence to, to, to support it? Can you explain DBT skill set real quick? Well, I, you know what, Michelle, it's dialectical behavioral thinking, but Michelle actually has a, a master's in it, and I don't want to take the, the stage from Michelle. Are you DBT no. So, like, no. let's have Michelle explain it. Okay, so yeah, so it's dialectical behavioral thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so essentially, um, just, I'm trying to, like, summarize this. I know, it's it's very, we it's have a, a really smart audience, yeah. though, too, yeah. guys. <laughs> so it's examining the connection between thought and feeling, right, and how that shapes your reality. Mm-hmm. And so the interventions that people generally use is you you help people build awareness, right? So that's where the mindfulness comes in to their to their thoughts and their feelings. And then you you can run through a bunch of different like workbooks to really record that and see like and reflect on like how you think. Um, and how you feel and how that's connected and how it impacts your behaviors. So when you change one of those, then it really is like a good intervention mm-hmm. to changing your behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we looked into that. I've got a quick correction, everybody. DBT actually stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy, not thinking. Just want to clear the record there. And that's that. Would this be similar or related to, in any way, cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I think that's a bit more mainstream, especially if you've got a counselor going on right now. They're cousins. That's, yeah. yeah, they are cousins. Yeah. Do you want to add to it, Tony? Cause not Tony really. I mean, I've gone through both uh, mm-hmm. in my recovery. And uh, I don't know if I said that while I was on... Uh, earlier but just FYI people I was a drug addict for 10 years no big deal NBD yeah NBD um been sober for I think almost 10 years too but anyways uh in that process that's my that's my that's my snap 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 yeah uh in that process uh I went through obviously uh, quite a bit of therapy um and discovery of myself and whatnot and um cognitive behavioral therapy and DBT they kind of just uh were melded into one for me it was about taking my time. It was about understanding why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and allowing myself to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And um, and being aware of what brings me pleasure, what brings me uh, fear, or what brings challenges in my emotional uh, makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm not, uh, it's been years since I've, you know, gone through it, but it's, it's I mean, if, to anybody who's struggling with their emotions, I recommend it, so. Yeah. Plug. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I like DBT because it focuses on emotional regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like more so than CBT. Okay. Yeah, CBT, I would say, we've already clarified it, but, you know, cognitive. It's more of like the thought process versus DBT, which is, I know DBT has the word thinking in it, but it's it's a behavior change about what, for me, I find that DBT has more of a skill set of tangible, actionable items mm-hmm. that you can implement in order to make a shift, whereas CBT seems to be a bit more... Um, uh, Changing thoughts, focusing yeah, on thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you're a cerebral person, that can be a, a bit tough because you're still just staying in the same thoughts. It's like mm-hmm. opening a can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually uh, have a question All for right. uh, the... Uh, so I'm single, yay. 
Um, is that a plug? N- well, I mean, yeah. I feel like I did that earlier. Yeah. But uh, could you guys share, or could you people share, right? Uh, yes. What your relationship status is? I am. <laughs> I am in a. Uh, what is it where you're monogamous? Monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I'm in a monogamous relationship. I've been with my partner for two what and a half. What is it when you don't want your girlfriend <laughs> to break up with yes. you? <laughs> a codependency. Right. That's very different. Um, I've been in a monogamous relationship uh, with my partner. We've been together for about two and a half years. Um, and we have had a lot of emotional ups and downs in our relationship. And it's been an interesting um it's been interesting. I, I know I want to get into Michelle explaining uh, their relationship history, but I, when Bigger we go time. on to the, <laughs> it's been interesting, and I, I'm gonna say this, um, and maybe it's too, too jumping the gun, but I have this dichotomy inside of myself that I am a a powerful female woman who is uh, very successful um, on a lot of fronts. Um, the cultural definition, you know, financially successful, mm. emotionally, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the but American cultural. The, um, the American definition of success. And I, I know we could do a whole other thing on, you know, elitism. <laughs> elitism. Yes, yes, 100%. I, I was shown as a child that I was loved not emotionally, but I was loved through money. And what that means is my family valued, it's not that we were hugely hugely successful but it was my family didn't have the emotional capacity to love so they loved me through buying me things and um, how that's impacted my relationship is that I really 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 want a partner who's going to be the the breadwinner and you know and my my partner's in you know residency or she's definitely not the the breadwinner here um but yet (laughs) yet. yeah yeah (laughs) Well, I'm waiting. I'm hoping, man. We're like year five of this. I mean, like, we all know what residents. <laughs> God, but the idea is, I want that that picket fence. I want the Amer- I want the the. I'm the one that made the house happen, but I want the partner who. You so know, you want to be the heteronormative wife? Yes, yes, and I want mm-hmm. also my partner to take me out to open doors, to be chivalrous. I want to be the girl. The yep. female, the the taking care of, you're going to protect me if somebody breaks in. <laughs> um, you know, I want to be the smaller spoon. I want, <laughs> what are the other, I mean, and at the same you time. You want to do all the cooking? cooking dinner yep. and cleaning house? I do not want to do that Frego. shit. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so you, you have don't to carry the baby. But I want to carry the baby. I definitely want to carry Aww. the baby. I want to change be, all the diapers. I'm, no, we're going to share that role. So <laughs> I want to I want to pick and choose the best of the heteronormativity, hetero, hetero, whatever that word is. And not take the worst stuff. And not take the worst stuff. That's fair. But, but in all honesty, I, I struggle with that because my partner and I fight over who cooks. And we fight over, you know. These, these, I'm these sorry, emo. and you fight over, you have to cook tonight, right? Not, I get to cook tonight. Yes. Yeah. Can I solve your problems with DoorDash? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, we. They're about to go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> we have been solving with that, but then also then that we fight over because we have no money left because we've just <laughs> spent a bazillion dollars yeah. on DoorDash. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Um, how to navigate that because I want the the female protective role, and I'm, I'm doing quotes right here, you can't see me, um, and I also want to be financially independent and don't take my money, and, you know, so... Sounds you, pretty greedy to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. But that's fair. I mean, I why mean, not? 
Uh, Might I suggest you check out our episode on how to build a healthy relationship? <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> which episode value, which episode number is this? Yeah, I need well, to understand. Let me load it. Let me uh, load it. Here we go. I think it's like 34. <laughs> okay. Well, before we yeah, get into yeah. all the relationship advice that we could supply, mm-hmm. Alexandria. <laughs> Alexandra, but yes, yes. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Michelle. Look at that quick <laughs> fix right there. You got her name wrong. She fixed you. We're done. We're moving on. It's already fixed. Yeah, but but we're so yeah. good. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's like, what I'm saying. You guys, it's that easy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially like with pronouns or anything for you community people that are listening to this. It's that simple. You don't have to make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving on. <laughs> Michelle, please make it a big deal for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Um, but can I just say that, like, um, with feminism, right, and, like, just clarification on, like, what feminism actually means is choice. Mm. So, Alexandra, if you want to, like, go off and, like, have this, like, wonderful, like, romance with this, like, hot, like, dykey butch person who will take <laughs> care of you, you need to do that. Yeah. That is what feminism mm. is about. She loves it right I'm now. I'm going to go. I'm going to get back on Tinder right now. Oh, my God. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but I appreciate that. I think that's, you know, Yaz and I have this discussion, and, and, and in so many words, she actually says the same thing. Like, if you, you know, I love her, and I'm going to be with her, and that's who I want to be with. But if you need that, I, I'm, true love is allowing the person that you're with to have choices, and that is, you know, the true definition. I, I think in feminism, I saw it as a as a as a an away from instead of a towards an away from the stereotypical female goals, but it's it's a it's a towards the choice of those goals. Yeah, I mean that's what freedom is, right? Right. It's being able to choose. Um, yeah. So all the power to you. <laughs> Michelle's <laughs> like, I'm not touching that one. Like, <laughs> it's about choice. O- like honestly, it's about consent, communication, honesty, authenticity. But right. it, it sounds like there's like a struggle within herself to allow that, mm-hmm. right? Because, because I'm more masculine. This, well, there's this cultural norm mm. in your brain that you have to be this way or the, the roles need to be this way for it to be what you want it to be. And because that doesn't align with what you want, that there's an internal struggle. But then there's also the need of like, if I never had to cook or make money, Fuck yeah, sign me up, right? Like <laughs> you you're trying to opt out of the hard thing. <laughs> so I mean so, I take care of the kids, I'm gonna birth them out of my vagine. So like <laughs> Maybe they'll be gay and be cesareans. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> Platinum gays. <Yeah. laughs> but I think the the thing is is that I visually quote unquote pass as fe- as as female Cis, cis, cis female. female. Cis thank female. you, thank you, thank You're you. A cis female. But I'm actually really just like a masculine person on the inside. You're a dude. I'm a so. dude. Yeah. I'm a. Yeah. I'm a. I 100. Just like real quick, I yeah. 100 percent subscribe to that. Like I walked in, you gave me your energy, and I was like, "That's my bro." Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then Yaz, who visually looks more masculine, is like the more emotional one. I'm like, "Why are you crying? Mm-hmm. Good God!" Like. <laughs> Why is nobody got time for tears? A lot of tears. I was like, okay, <laughs> come on, that's awesome. And I'm like playing words with friends as I'm like, cons- I mean, I'm kidding, but but the dichotomy mm-hmm. and what that means and how I'm perceived and the internal struggle. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Trans people will save everybody. <laughs> they challenge all the normal <laughs> thoughts, all the yeah, all of the um, preconceived notions, all the socialization that you cannot escape. Mm. Right. You get these messages all the time from mass media, from the music you listen to, from friends, mm-hmm. everybody. 
What is a message that you have, I know there's tons, but what's one that rings true right now that you've really uh, overcome? Like, like in the mass media about you, about trans people or like you personally, just me as an individual, as an individual. Cause I think you can't maybe speak for, for all of trans people in that aspect. Um, honestly that like, uh, Vietnamese women, mm-hmm. right. Uh, I don't identify as a woman, but Vietnamese women are very powerful. Mm-hmm. There's this American narrative of the war where, um, people have saved Vietnam or whatever the fuck it is about communism. Right. Um, but the fact is, like, Vietnam has a history of being matriarchal. And a lot of the organizing that's happening in California and the rest of the United States is, like, centered around, like, Vietnamese women owning their power and owning this matriarchy, at least in my opinion. Um, and so being able to see all of that has been very powerful. So I feel like I'm a lot more capable of creating social change than I was before. Interesting. Nice. That is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in a relationship? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. They're avoiding that question. Yeah. Like, that's no, the third you? time, you know? No, like, no, don't, don't no, don't no I'm avoiding it. That's fine. Don't answer if you don't want to. Um, I am not in a relationship. I, I just, I don't know. There's just, like, like for me, there's just, like, narrative, right? Because I keep coming back to this word, but that we have to be in some sort of relationship, and I'm just not adhering to that. I love that. Yeah. Love I it. love that so much because, I mean, I'm – excuse me, single, and I don't want to be, and I daily am telling myself that's fine. Yeah. Trying to reprogram my thinking because who cares? Like, why do I I feel I need to be in this relationship? Because I saw, you know, Beauty and the Beast, the Disney movie, and I want a big fuzzy guy to kidnap me and put me in his castle. That's what I want. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, that's all. I mean, it's so much programming. It's so much programming, and the media has, it's all at fault. I, I saw this documentary on Met- Netflix about uh, trans in the media. It's fairly new. It was like came out a couple months ago, and uh, they talk about how, you know, trans obviously have been here forever, and in the media, they've always been portrayed in certain aspects, either prostitutes mm-hmm. or, um, or just bottom, low-level people, mm-hmm. and so... Uneducated. Yeah, and that programs our brains to think that that's what it is. That's, mm-hmm. that's who they are, and... It was very eye-opening because, I mean, uh, you know, I'm exposed to the trans community. I try to be supportive, but I'm also ignorant to a lot of things. Um, And so, you know, I can be offensive because I may say something that isn't necessarily appropriate. Um, I'll receive the the note if given. But the world doesn't know that, and the world doesn't know how to behave like that. And with how the media portrays so many different aspects of queer culture, um, I think that, like, that's the biggest issue. And getting the exposure of, like, with Pose... If you guys have seen mm-hmm. it, great mm-hmm. show. Um, great show. Portraying the various queer cultures in aspects that are not traditional will help us, you know, build that we are people. And, you know. Tony, can I say something, though? Please. Like I was rambling. Like, I think that um, <laughs> I think that your need for a relationship is really important. Like, I don't want you to dismiss that. Because that is, like, I think, like, very pivotal in, like, your own soul. Right. So just like don't don't dismiss it. Don't like like intellectualize it, which is what a lot of people do with their needs and their feelings. But just really accept it and own it. And like at at some point, like honestly, it'll happen. It'll happen. But you have to do a lot of healing. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and just for clarity, um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, And uh, 
I feel like I, I need a relationship or I want a relationship. I want to pull the need out of it um, because I don't want the thought to think that I need something to hinder my progress in life. So all you need to do is to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. know it exists, and then that's enough. Yep. Thank you. Can I can I ask um, how how should we as people like I, I'm I'm assertive I'm like storming like let's do this you know kind of thing and mm. com- sometimes blindly and I get into trouble for that um, but as for people who are not as assertive you know if they meet somebody where they're not sure or they've made assumptions or what's the best way to open the door to ask questions about pronouns or or wh- especially somebody who, who identifies as trans, what what would be a non-evasive way to start a question if they're not really sure how to broach the subject? I guess I'll speak on that. And <laughs> 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 please speak for all trans people. I will and speak I know for all trans people. all trans people, but I, you know, I, think it's, I think for people who do not have the chutzpah kind of to, to jump in, I think that the elephant in the room just kind of stays. And I want to... I want part of this this conversation to be uh, a, have meaningful ways to start conversations mm-hmm. so that we can start a dialogue. Um, I, I guess in my own personal experience, right, um, I had this magical person come up to me and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. These are my pronouns. What are yours? What's your name? Mm-hmm. And, like, that itself was, like, really welcoming. Okay. Other folks? So I try and be an ally as best I can. I've never been asked if I was trans. You know, when I was a 12-year-old little tomboy, right, um, I got asked all the time, why am I using the girls' bathroom? I did, too. Yeah. (laughs) I shaved my head, and I went by Alex, and I had no boobs. (laughs) And they were like, they were like, put your son Alex. We would have been such good friends. Yeah, we would (laughs) have. I wish I would have known you then. We should make a story for that. It's probably better for the world that we didn't know each other then. (laughs) Um, Truth. So we run these Lesbian Third Thursday events, or we did before COVID happened and shut them down. Um, and one of my friends was like, put, put their pronouns on the name tag one day. And I was like, oh my God, I'm such a fool. We should have just gone to pronouns immediately, right? Because it's branded as Lesbian Third Thursday, but we're very welcoming. It's basically like s- cis het men and gay dudes, this isn't for you, it's for everyone else. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, it wasn't for you. You guys already uh, have enough networking. I just wanted to go to the Olympics. You can come to the Olympics (laughs) whenever they're back on. Um, (laughs) And so I started putting pronouns on these, and everyone is like, oh my gosh, this is such a good idea. And I think it goes back to that just being aware of otherness, right? Like, any of us, we have our own preconceived notions, and we approach the world from our own perspective, and it's just ever so important to just Mm -hmm. think for a second how someone else perceives the world well and also exactly what how um alexandra (laughs) we need name tags guys (laughs) no i just didn't want to say alexandria i thought it was like walking dead and it's the name (laughs) of the the town uh but exactly i feel like how you just brought it up how would somebody who's not as assertive Mm -hmm. and isn't sure or is you know and is an experience how would they go about asking something that they're not aware of and I think that's how they would do it owning that you you're not really 100% sure expressing that you're not intending any harm and then just asking I think that's the simplest way it's great yeah that works speaking as a non-trans person that doesn't have to deal with that could you also ask you know we tr- we tend to travel in packs around here um yeah 
And so <laughs> I found myself like just on the side of a party before or something like, hey, what are their pronouns? Like, I don't want to be offensive. And I understand that that's not always an alley. Sometimes you do actually have to ask the person that you're talking about. But if someone else in the group knows, I would think it is more appropriate to ask someone else to get the answer so that you're not doing the emotional labor as I point to you. As <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> right. And so, and I, and I think that about a lot of different subsets of culture is we should not make minorities do all of the lifting for us. Yeah, I think it's really being mindful of, like, the trauma that, like, people have gone through. So if you need to go and ask your friend, like, hey, is that, like, uh, are their pronouns, like, they, then theirs? Yeah, just go for it because, um, yeah, being able to just be mindful and, like, I want to say supportive of um, not reenacting trauma for people is really important. And that takes, like knowledge of like what a population or like an identity goes through yeah and how what are some easy ways to support that because i i understand that in a very broad sense but is there a way to make it tangible i mean i know we've discussed you know asking about pronouns but are there other ways to be supportive to not just the trans google but it <laughs> yeah yes Wikipedia. google that shit yeah watch a movie Watch yeah. a documentary. Okay, so, so I mean, I'm getting not more commanding that of you. <laughs> just oh, of I think it's true. Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the information yourself. is out there, and if you're going to be exposed to uh, a demographic of people, uh, you know, the the best thing to do is look it up. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I, I I'm just trying to cultivate the conversation yeah. because I think a lot of times, especially when you're with people you know, you can talk in these grand. Th- grand ideas but if we don't have tangible action points we feel like we're making a difference talking about grand mm-hmm. ideas yeah. and not implementing tangible action yeah, so points. Then, thank you goals. like <clears throat> thank you like so then let's throw out how does the uh queer person with a tiny community in salt lake city right. approach any of yeah. these issues right move like, to california <laughs> <laughs> done <laughs> So, uh, you know, how how does someone in a small town or a conservative area or a different country where maybe it's not even legal to be gay handle these kind of things? And really, maybe the answer is they're not (laughs) in a position where they can yet. Maybe their community has not graduated to the place of being able to ask freely ask someone their pronouns when you see them at a party. So Socratic method works really well. With that, and and that's something that Yaz, and I wish she could be a part of this because she would be all on this, but has taught me, especially when we're having a discussion about white privilege and, mm-hmm. and different things, is is going through and just kind of asking more questions instead of trying to, uh, you know, insert your beliefs or insert like what you think. It's like asking more questions because, especially if you're in smaller communities, or and again, I'm not trying to community explain i know it's not <laughs> community explain to this yeah. but you, you're not you just to, you yeah. just came to california right yes and well about a year ago is that is that is that recent that sure yeah. i mean as long as you didn't forget a year ago um well <laughs> it's it, been it's, a really it's in crazy relation to what i'm about year. to ask you right <laughs> okay. so coming from uh was it utah texas texas sorry Sip, equally utah. equally <laughs> oppressive so uh <laughs> earlier we were chatting and like you, you've experienced some differences here Yes. And uh, in re- in relation to queer culture. Yes. Like what would can you explain what what that is or what that w- was? 
it'd be good to get perspective of how yeah, so, the culture's different. And so it's assumed that you're assumed liberal in California unless proven otherwise. Yep. Okay, you're assumed that you like gay people, you like uh, queer people, you like trans. It's assumed that you do unless otherwise stated. In Texas, it is assumed that you don't um, unless otherwise stated. Mm-hmm. And so the assumption creates, like what Michelle the referenced, fear. well, yeah. safety or yeah. fear. Yeah. The assumption that I am safe unless you've proven otherwise, and again, take this with a grain of salt, I'm coming from a, a cis, white, you know, straight-looking person. So again, that's, that's so my, cute. like, <laughs> you know. But uh, you're assumed... Um, in Texas, you kind of have to, like, feel out your community. And so it takes longer for me, I think, to find the community. Mm-hmm. And in that taking longer, I think that you guard parts of yourself. And therefore, you – I'll give you an example. I'm working with this um, – I do financial um, education. Finances.fit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I was working with a with a client, and at one point it came up that I was gay, and this guy, this gentleman, was very conservative, very you know blah blah blah, and and he was like, "But you don't look yeah. gay." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, I'm not, you know, he's a client, so I'm not about to to get into the that whole aspect." But the point of it was, I didn't fit his mold. But I think that I changed his idea of what being gay meant solely by being open and gay and out. And I think that in, in, in the juxtaposition of the two places, um, it's, the, it's the assumed mentality that I think for me it dictates how open I am. And that isn't how I should live. I should just, you know... I should. I shouldn't shit all over myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Sound like a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm on a tangent. the The point I'm saying is, no, it's good. the the differences I think in the in the smaller communities where you have to work harder to find the the gay or the LGBT community um, limits your access to people who you could change. You could help ch- change their mind, and so um, using the Socratic method or being who you are, but also kind of being proud of who you are, I think, can help change minds. Um, did that answer your question? It did, but you do have to explain Socratic method for our audience. Oh, God, I wish yes were here, because I'm really going to do a horrible, like, butchering of it's, it's, It's asking questions to, yes, please Google this, because I feel <laughs> that I am going to. And Michelle knows. Yeah. Michelle, do you know? I feel like I use it a lot. Yes. Even if it's not called that, but it's just asking questions while everybody else is conversing. So you move the conversation forward. Right. Um, so it's not providing answers. Right. Yeah. So right. the group provides the answers. Right. And I think that that, just even early in the conversation, I learned more about Ashley. She didn't ask a question, but she made a statement that was along the lines of a question. And that changed my view. Or it it. it it helped me assimilate other people's views into my into my perspective. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, and we're not going into politics, but a lot of times politics sort of things, we're so divided and we're so entrenched in the actual definition because definitions make us feel safe. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel that we can have control of our world. If I can define you as a man or a woman, um, then I can feel safer about how to navigate that. Um, and I think the Socratic method allows for the grayness of the world to be talked about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So, I, yeah, it's important. Well done. Yeah. 
in silence. Oh, yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, we need um, the silence is good. I just want to caution that when we speak for other communities, right? We need somebody here who is queer mm. from a small community yeah, to make agreed. sure that, like, agreed. Yeah, it, just I, caution. That's why I. That's why I. I, I asterisked it with like a yeah. white lady from big city. You know, right? Yeah. What well, I. It's also experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking from experience is really important because we don't really know, right? What these folks are going through, or like what is really helpful. Um, yeah, because so we're not experiencing that at all. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So should we just pause right here for a second? Is there anybody in this group who's from a small town who would like to speak on it? So we have two. The moderators are a mess, so excuse us for this rest as they get their shit together. You know, I I had a friend group that essentially we didn't know when we all sort of came together as friends just how queer we are this 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 whole like fu- this, it was a my, my group of friends from theater camp um who we all you know sort of got together and of all of the people who i'm still in touch with from that camp um which is quite a few one of them is still both cisgender and heterosexual we all just sort of grew into our our queerness together we we huddled together like penguins for warmth um and honestly as you know a a queer non-mormon adolescent in salt lake city that kept me alive for a few years was knowing that i could get through the school year that the summer would happen Mm -hmm. and i would be able to see my my friends again that i was uh comfortable really being myself around and it kind of shows just how important a community is yeah and you can make your own community and you can go find your own community and you look for similarities and that's how you grow you uh there are strength in numbers right like michelle was saying so much of of how we approach life has to do with safety and as soon as you can find community that affirms your beliefs you feel safer and you are inherently able to be yourself on a much bigger level than you've ever had been able to before. I don't know. My personal experience is that I could probably be a lot more out in Mm. just my general life, um, especially with regard to my gender, because I I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I sort of, feel that gender is a baby that people keep wanting to hand me and <laughs> I am I'm not interested in holding your baby yeah. I really appreciate it um, <laughs> thank you That's awesome. um, but also people generally uh, tend to think of me like when the, if, if you see me on the street you know with my pink purse and my lululemon leggings and my long hair you're going to think oh that is a cisgender heterosexual woman mm-hmm. when in reality I'm not really either of those things yeah um, and also, by the way, I'm Ray. Uh, I <laughs> moved to Sacramento from Salt Lake City literally a week yep. ago. But yeah, like I definitely there there is that element of alienation, especially living in a place that has such an ingrained religious culture where you you sort of grow up knowing that this part of you is something that a lot of people around you are taught isn't all right. Uh, whether or not those people actually believe that mm-hmm. um, is, is something different. You know, I've, I've met many people in Salt Lake City who know, are straight and who are members of the LDS church who know that I'm gay and mm-hmm. are still my friends yeah. and are great people. It's just that 
there is that sort of alienation knowing that they are the, the people around you are receiving those messages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if you're not yeah um I you know I, I also had the um the I, I the luck to grow up in a, a pretty inclusive um community with you know we had uh lgbt clergy mm-hmm. um although i personally didn't feel comfortable being out within that community until I was an adult. Um, But that was less of a a matter of a judgment against my own community and more just a matter of my personal comfort. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tara, are you getting ready to say something? Yes. (laughs) Do you you want to use your real name or? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. so Tara is, you guys, surprise, <laughs> during, her, during our break we found two people that well, fit our mold. I, I'd in, like uh, to also add Yazin as well. I want Yaz's perspective on the, the, gen- the gendered roles and relationships that we uh, reference. Yeah, so. listen, you need to sign up to have yourself a little uh, relationship building with Jose one-on-one. Um, he is accepting applications right now for, uh, for a future podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we wanted to dip into that. And Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are great to answer this. And Ray, thank you very much. I think that was a great add to this. No problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Salt Lake City is is a different universe, I think, to a certain extent. From I mean, it's like 10 hours from another major city, right? At least. Uh, probably like eight-ish. Yeah. I think you can get to Denver in like eight hours. Well, I'm... I'm, if you can't tell from the accent, I'm from the South. I'm from Tennessee. Grew up in Hurricane Mills, and that's about 15 minutes from Bucksnort, which is a... Bucksnort. It has a gas station and a, an adult video store. Super small town. I'm a little bit older than everybody here, too. I'm 47, so I think... Uh, whoop, high five. Whoop, whoop. So I'm a little bit older, and I think um, looking back, when I grew up in, in my teeny small town in the woods in Tennessee... Uh, I think it would be fair to say there weren't a whole lot of queer role models where I was at. There was people in the community where everybody sus- suspected they were queer, and um, it was kind of a negative opinion of the small town. My parents, luckily, were pretty liberal and kind of hippie-ish, if you will. Um, so I think they were kind of open to a lot of stuff, but... Uh, Katie, you were talking about being a super tomboy, (laughs) and I guess, uh, Alexandra was saying that she shaved her head, so I was kind of in the same boat, like, I'd go in the bathroom, and they'd be like, sir, you can't be in here, and I'd be like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not a boy, um, I can totally be in here, I can totally be in here, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I think the lack of role models hindered me a lot, Mm -hmm. as far as being able to express what I, I there just weren't but binary options right right and so as an as a a kid growing up there I was always intrigued by Melissa Etheridge <laughs> yeah and anybody else that was I found out that was gay was like how are they like what does that mean so can I ask then when you were in you know high school early college mm-hmm. at what point did you come out and also at what point did you even know gay was a thing if you were in such a conservative area or or did you always know that that gay was an option or that it even existed? I knew it existed. It just isn't didn't seem like an option in my small town. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like I know I I knew it was a thing. I had a cousin that lived in Miami that was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that 
it felt like an option. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like in a small town where everybody did is. Did you know how to be gay? Because I was you didn't total, have I was a, totally a, a visual representation of that. I mean, I I acted like a a boy, like masculine of center the whole time when I was growing up, at least until high school. And then I I think I you know I tried to fit in, so I was more feminine in high school. Only because you tried to fit in with this heteronormative right (laughs) in this small town because that's what was expected, right? And so it just seemed like just a. If you could wave a magic wand, what would you shift in your small town in order to have a a a more inclusive outcome? If you could wave it, I mean, no hold. And then Ray, some same question to you as soon as she's done. Uh, a magic wand, huh? I think just knowing that it was. An, an option knowing people that were in relationships that were queer probably would have just helped I didn't know anybody in my small town that I knew was in a relationship that was queer you knew people were possibly queer like our basketball coach she looked queer mm, aren't they all yes <laughs> yeah and then uh, we had a science teacher he looked queer there was a couple dudes that looked like they were queer but none of them were in relationships so you didn't know what that how that would look I guess and maybe I'm I'm not evolved enough to be able to piece that together in a small town. There's some other people that are in small towns right now that probably are. And I've, I've hats off to them, you know. So. so so you would change. You would want it to be, what I'm hearing you say, is you would want it to, to be safe enough to be out. Right. What, that's what you would change. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I don't think I crushed on anybody in high school that was female mm-hmm. um, because it just didn't. I, if it had been a an oper- like a, a thing in my small town, I probably would have because I totally did in college. Like that's where that's <laughs> yeah. where that came from was college, right? Where it was like, oh, girls can like each other, and oh, I didn't know you could really do that. Well, then I feel like we could <laughs> open up an entire can of worms because how can you be crushing on someone who you've grown up with and you know that they don't approve of you as a person right Right. like how I think that's an immediate turnoff for most of us and so maybe that's part of the issue too is that you had to meet people who were not as conservative or or as bigoted as these folks yeah I think you're right because like even as now if there's somebody that's not queer Mm. and they might be attractive I'm not really into that yeah you know like I don't I'm not into somebody that's oh, straight. We don't play that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, I, I've, I, I've had you know that sort of crush on a straight girl, um, not knowing she's straight, and then mm-hmm. it's just sort of the like, okay, I find out like, oh, she's she's only into dudes. Okay, I'm just gonna acknowledge that I have these feelings. I'm going to crush them up into a little paper mm-hmm. ball and slam dunk them into the garbage because yeah. it's just it's not going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and then as, as far as sort of like changing something uh, about, you know, my sort of queer upbringing, I think I, I would less change the environment that I was in mm-hmm. and more myself. Okay. Um, I, I think that I, I it would have been, you know, I, I don't know that I would have been putting myself in too much physical danger. The sort of the thing with uh, the culture of Utah uh, or at least of Salt Lake City is People are very nice. Mm-hmm. They might talk about you behind your back. Mm-hmm. That's small town too. Yeah, yeah or <laughs> or or disapprove, you know, in their groups. But it's it's more rare 
you know, especially with me being a assigned female at birth and feminine presenting, as well as of uh, being white, um, it would be much rarer for that to, for me being queer to have put me in that danger. Mm-hmm. And I think if I, I could wave that magic wand and have made myself at 15 more comfortable with myself yeah. and more able to, to lean in and be able to feel like I could be out Mm-hmm. to more than maybe two people in my high school and be okay yeah. with that. Um, you know, and I, I definitely had crushes on women in high school and didn't realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, looking back, there was a, a girl that I knew sophomore year that it's like, oh, my God, I totally had a crush on her. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize it until I, like, ran into her years later. But, like, I was... Mm. Was she gay? I don't know. Um, I, I, uh, to my knowledge, she is currently married to a man, but doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. There are there are tons of um, bisexual women who are married to men. There are tons of women who are gay who are, you know, in relationships with men because maybe they don't realize it yet, and that's a totally valid place to be at. Yeah, I did that too. Married a man? Mm-hmm. I did. I know. I love it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not. He was a good person. Okay. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't comfortable with my situation yet. So. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate for him because I left him. So. Yeah, that's got to be hard on his, yeah. his end. I think that speaks volumes to the whole concept of heteronormativity. The fact that, you know, we put ourselves in positions that, you know, internally, we, at least for me, I've put myself in s- positions where internally – I knew that I didn't want to do that or I didn't want to engage in that relationship or I probably shouldn't have asked her out. Um, and then, you know, finally reaching the point where I understand myself for coming out um, and, and, you know, for whatever reason, I wasn't comfortable, but I got there and I'm much more happy. I'm also not putting women in a position where, you know, oh, I like you, but I don't really, but I said I did because I felt I needed to. Mm-hmm. And so that... That goes into this compulsory heteronormativity that we were talking about before we started recording. Like, because as we grow up, we grow up in this heteronormative world. You know, what little girl, queer or not, has has what not little person little person yeah has not pretended to be rescued by Prince Charming, right? Thank you, Disney, and the list goes on and on. And we don't see queer people or trans people represented in movies. Or, or when we do, that's n- recently, you have the pushback of, of our organizations that yeah. say how horrible it is. And so if you have this idea that mm-hmm. organizations are going to push back against something that is you. Oh, absolutely. Then why are you going to yeah. put yourself out there again? Or your people, whoever it is you identify with, are portrayed as the villain, the idiot, the criminal, the st- the goofy sidekick, right? Like they're not a valid part of the script. They're just there for comedic relief. Like, that's damaging. And so we all grow up thinking that we need to be hetero. And and we all find out that we don't need to be at different points. But then we get into this position where, since heteronormative is the norm, right? Heterosexuality is the norm in our culture. We have to keep coming out. We have to come out multiple times. No, I am gay. No, I'm not straight. No, 
I don't identify as male or female. Here, let me tell you about this new concept of non-binary, and here's what it means, right? And so every queer person has to do that multiple times throughout their life. You, there's not just coming out one time. It's coming out multiple times. Hey, everyone. I'm going to stop us there for this episode. Please be sure to join us next week for the conclusion of this conversation. We've laughed. We've cried. We've given our advice. We've given advice. Now go forth and live with pride. Yeah, live with pride. Yeah. Oh. Ow. Oh, too. A dog.